And welcome to the InStyle Style Icon series, where we at InStyle Hair Magazine interview pioneers in the Australian hairdressing industry to gain their insights into their industry journeys, career advice, and managing their salon teams through the current COVID situation. I'm your host, Shannon Gus, editor of InStyle. And in our first podcast interview, I spoke to celebrated industry salon owner of Valons, session stylist, and brand ambassador, Renya Zaitis, about her career highlights, editorial tips, and advice through experiencing the Sydney lockdown. We hope you enjoy the interview and find points of inspiration to help you in your hairdressing career. Renya, thank you for being our first guest. No, thank you. What an honour. Thank you very much. No, I'm it. so glad to have you because I feel like people at the moment might need a little bit more inspiration, some content, you know, yeah. anything through their yeah. earbuds if we can deliver it to them. And like your journey and your story should definitely provide that. Well, I, I look, I've never been so vulnerable. So that. For me, I'm a very, very strong person. Mm. So I'm hurting just like everyone else, but I'm I'm looking at every day as a, as a good day. Um, I, I've set myself goals. I make sure, like in the beginning, I just got a little bit laxed and like, this is really getting to me. And it's just like I was sleeping in and I wasn't eating properly and I was just lying in bed getting a little bit sad and uninspired. And then I just realized this is not who I am. And I just sort of went back to when I opened up my business, what did I do? Because um, it's all new again to me. And this is all, like no one knows it's the never, never. But the things that have inspired me are getting up, making sure you're getting up at seven in the morning and then making sure I set myself a task list I make sure I have goals of what I'm going to do for the day. If I don't do them, then I make sure that I put them on the list tomorrow, like tomorrow. But the first thing is I make sure I reach out to my team. Mm. That's the number one thing, like making sure that they're good, making sure that they're, we're having conversations, making sure that the ones that live close to me, the ones that were 10K, we would, all, we would meet up. And if I couldn't meet up with them, I would talk to them. Showing them the hair online only suited half of them. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't expect mm. all of them to come on the Zoom. And, talk, and that's so – this is our third lockdown. So, And I have a lot of people that have been with me for so many years. So their hair is great to them, but it's not the necessity. So what they needed was me. And what they need right now is me to talk to them and say it's going to be okay. So in saying that, I'm sending them little gifts. Like I know some of them love cheese and champagne. I'm sending them that. I'm making sure that they're all getting a beautiful letter and uh, something from me and my husband to say it's going to be okay. We love you and we miss you and I can't and we're call and it's a family now. I'm not calling it we're going back to the salon. I'm saying I can't wait till our family's together. So you have to I've realized that you have to reword yourself on what you're saying. You can't go back to what it was. You need you've basically I have to get ready. It's going to be a changed world in there. And I have to really work my brain. Once I work my brain into that I will then be able to work my team's brain. So right now I am doing a lot of Zooms. I'm educating so much online with my team. But the ones that aren't, I am going for walks, telling them I love them, mm. 
That is the number one. Telling them how much I value them. Telling them that they mean everything to me and making sure that they know that we are a family and that we're together. And then I don't want to grow anymore. I just want to take care of the ones I have and make sure I grow my own as best as I can. Because right now everyone's like, I want stuff, I want more stuff. No, you don't. Because when you go back, you just have to take care of the ones you have and the clients that you have. Then after that, think about new staff. But right now, think of who you have right now and make their life magical. Because right now, it's not magical for a lot of my team. Yeah, I mean, it totally resonates for me. I mean, the context is you're in Sydney, obviously going through it. I'm in Melbourne, so, you know, I'm a lockdown yeah. expert too. And it really resonates when you say about like getting yourself out of bed and making a list. Because I always feel with lockdown that you kind of get in yeah. what you put out, but it's really difficult to do that because it's a kind of despondent yeah. situation. But then I can't imagine having what you do on top of that, which is not just like lifting yourself through it, but having to lift your whole team and really prioritize them to a degree. Um, which oh. must be hard to do when you're going through it yourself. But, you know, as a salon owner, that really is your role and your duty. Yeah. Well, I, it, well, that's when I was lying in bed and I just said, um, this is, I actually took this responsibility on when I was 19 years old. So I've never really been irresponsible towards any of them. And to let them down now in a crisis, I can't do that. So I have to be strong. And who takes care of me? Well, me. So for me to walk down, to go to the beach every day and feel the ocean on me, that's my sanctuary. That's, that means every, that's, the little things make me happy. And that's all I care about, going down to the beach. Mm. And because I'm pretty lucky that I can actually go to the beach because a lot of people can't because of the five, 5K radius now. We we're 10, now we're five. Yeah. So it makes it even harder. So when it was 10, I could see at least 80% of my team. Now that it's five, I can only see like 30% of them. Mm. And that's really hard because I sincerely adore them all. And look, just to go to the ocean every day and I go with a friend and we talk work and we say, so what do you do? So what do you do? What are you doing? So I have my mate that has the ability to sort of um, – I can listen to what they're doing, but it's not that I'm doing what he's doing, but it just gives me some focus on it's going to be okay. I'm not the only one in this boat. So then I come home and I have my list and I go through it and I go through my social media list with my social media girl. And I'm very blessed to have her still on the books. Um, and then I, I, I check in with my team on the desk to see if everything's okay because they're all answering the phones. Half of them are answering it from home and the other half are there mixing the tints for the clients. And that was a really hard decision to make to give your clients their colours because um, it's against everything that we've all yeah. been brought up with. Yeah. So to act, so when I started doing that, I actually realised my career is different now. It's so different and I have to go with it or I will blow with it mm -hmm. and that's not what I want to do. So to me, it's like... If everyone's really negative, I've got to turn it around that it's actually going to be okay. It's just we have to change our mindset. We just have to be a little bit more focused on what the generation is scared of because right now we've had a life. I've had fun, but I have to feel for the kids that are 20 to 30 because they're going through this. This is all they know. So I have to really be gentle and delicate on what's going on. And right now – 
They need love. They need support. They need to know that they are valued. And right now, that's I value them. And if I have to tell them that, to walk with them, send them a beautiful gift, a beautiful love letter, is is that means a lot to them. And I check in, I text, but I don't really like texting anymore because it's like a robotical thing now. So I'll randomly call five a day mm. and just have that half an hour conversation. Let them talk. Um, let them know that I'm, I'm there for them. And in the beginning, there were so many sad ones. And now it's becoming, it's not sad, it's 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 annoying and there is no, they can't see any way out. Mm. So I am making them see there is a way out, but I am relying a lot on our government because it's whatever they say to us, but we've got to make it magical and fun when we go back. And I have to work and manoeuvre with my team on how we can do that because I don't think it's going to be a – it's not like the last ones because we were um, we were valued as hairdressers. Now it's like we weren't and now we have to really, really nut out how we're going to work, what we're going to say to the clients, especially with vaccinations and this and that. So I don't have enough information from the government. So in a way, I'm glad we're not going back so soon because I really need to – see what we can actually do because I really, I want to be Switzerland on this one because I can't go back raw. I want to go back not hurting anyone, which is going to be quite difficult. Yeah, definitely what you're saying about a changing industry makes a lot of sense. I do think in terms of like home colour, which is a decision the salons had to make and it is so counterintuitive to everything the industry knows. But then when lockdown ends, the first person every person calls is the hairdresser and not, you know, their friends or family. So Uh, I don't think it's breaking anything. But the thing is what, 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 um, and it was good because you have all these conversations, like I rang all my fellow hairdressers that I love and respect so much. And I was like, okay, so you, what do you think? No, I'm not going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. But this is how I'm going to do it. Uh, and I said, are you going to give the color out? They said, no, we're just going to, we're going to mix it up. And I went, what do you mean mix up? You can't mix up. So I rang my colorist who's been with me for 25 years. I said, so what, what can we do? They said, look, We'll put it in a box for, um, uh, like a, a, a box, a sealed container, and we'll have the developer on the other side. So they're not actually taking the color, they're not taking the menu, they're not taking mm-hmm. the color code home. Yeah. So we've mixed it for them because I bought mine home and just one inch got my color wrong. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine a client trying to mix it up? So we've um, mixed it for them, which put the developer, and then we've given them some little goodies. And I feel better that they're not actually mixing the colour up. They're just putting the developer. But it is against everything. But as my colourist said, Renya, it's better that we give them this than them buying from the chemist because the chemist colours are so toxic Mm. that it's going to take a lot from their hair and then we're going to have to strip it out. At least we know what's in their hair. When they put a chemist product on, we don't know what's in their hair. And that's when it costs the client a lot of money and it takes us a lot of time and frustration. Mm. But what I have learned is my team are interviewing the clients a lot more now. Like we know we're looking at their day shit, their um, last time they were in. And if it was a client that was getting a full head of foil, like a half a head of foil, we know we have to book her in for a full head now. So we have to really strategically they keep thinking in their head, oh, no, I only want a half a head, but I know truly when they come back, they want a full head. 
because they haven't had a color for like four or by the time we go back yeah. probably three, four months. Mm. So you really have to take it into um you really need to give yourself some extra time. But already we've got like ten clients on the um cancellation list for everyone and that scares me. It scares me because they're our clients. Yeah. It's difficult. It'll be a different you know, a different world that we come back to, as you've said. But I do think that professionalism and professional expertise has only really been emphasized through the pandemic with things like giving out the color and them seeing how difficult the job is and that they they need the industry, which is great. Yes. I feel sorry for the blondes because they're just getting toners. Mm. So um, with with our blondes, we're saying keep it keep it healthy, take care of it, get your hair in really good condition, put treatments. This is it. Like with my skin, I'm putting so many masks on my skin because I'm not putting makeup on. So my skin feels really good. So I, it's it's time for your hair to breathe. So st- don't don't worry about coloring and putting bleach on. Put treatments, masks, wrap it up sit in the sun it's beautiful go to the park with a treatment in your hair so it's all about getting your hair conditioned so when you come back you'll truly get a beautiful brand new color the color that they've always wanted but they couldn't because they couldn't grow it out mm. so it's gonna it's 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 got that's how i look at the good side because if you keep looking at the bad side oh my god you'll just be bad yeah. so you've got to look at the other side and um it's been really hard because I've been getting a lot of DMs from clients and they're like, can't you just do an un- like a, an underground cut? And I was like, no. Yeah. You don't understand. The government's paid us to stay home. It's really, really important that we listen to this because why have I just given up my business? Like, I just can't. And they really don't understand it. And that's, I felt a bit devalued there. And I'm thinking, if you want us in your home, imagine who else you got in your home so yeah. it it's a bit sad I'm thinking I know you're desperate but have you got a who else have you got in your house you manicurist you <laughs> like do you, do you know what I mean like I'm just feeling like that I, it's like guys stick to the plan but you know what it's, it's been pretty good now I think people have got their understanding now that if we're in 5k this is serious stuff the next thing I don't want to happen I know it happened in Melbourne was the um the curfew I hope we don't get to that yeah, it's definitely really difficult. And But as you're saying, you know, looking at the bright side, we're hoping this content, you know, provides some valuable advice on how, as you yeah. said, people can prioritize their teams. And in, in that interest, you know, to kind of move away from COVID a bit somehow in, in this current climate and talk about, you know, some inspiring things you've achieved and, and really your journey through hair. And I mean, for a lot of people yeah. probably know your story and you've been such an important part of the hair industry for so long, but can you kind of catch yeah. everyone up? You said you've been part of it since you were 19, you know, running salons. Can you tell us how yeah. you got involved in hairdressing to begin with and how it's kind of grown from there? So I started in 1981 and I was just on 15 years old. Mm. Um, so I, I left school um, at 14 and a half because I was born in May. So I left year 10. So I didn't go to year 11 or 12. I went straight into hairdressing. So I started very young. Um, it was a four-year apprenticeship, which was great. I worked in a swanky um, salon in Double Bay, which was pretty fun. Um, I ended up working with Joe Bailey. My husband and I met. We dated for seven years. Um so he's a hairdresser as well. No one really knows about Jim, but Jim is the <laughs> one behind 
everything we do. It's behind or he's 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 incognito. He doesn't really like to be known, but he's the one that does all the business choices. He's the one that gets the buildings, gets the properties, gets the salons. He makes the dreams happen. If I come up with a dream, he'll go, okay, this is how we're going to do it for you. He just doesn't get involved in the hairdressing side. He was on the floor for years, and then we had to make a very um, strong decision that one takes care of the business and one takes one works in the business and one works on the business. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a good choice. Um, and in saying that, so I, we opened up the salon when I was 19 years old. He was 21. That was a huge thing. And the energy that I had back then, it, well, I was fearless. Mm-hmm. And it was just incredible. Like you, we had no, we had no mobile phones, we had no computers. All I had was a salon, and very empty salon. I couldn't call my clients that I did in Double Bay because they would just never leave Double Bay to come to Paddington because they were snobs, um, which was fine, which was great. So basically, I used to advertise in a magazine, the Wentworth Courier, the newspaper, the Wentworth Courier. Mm-hmm. And then there was a really cool newspaper called 3D Magazine, which was really cult and indie and amazing. So I got all those clients in and I, and then I started building up with a few hairdressers. And then I don't know what it was, but it started after I went to Paris Fashion Week in 1990. Oh, God. 1992, but pre that I had a huge editorial career. So I would work for this gentleman in Double Bay, but I did my first cover on Nicole Kidman at the age of 16 and she was 14. Wow. So, Australian history there. Yeah, editorial was not a big thing back then. It was just a blow dry and a cover of a magazine. It wasn't glitzy. It wasn't glamorous. It was just another branch of hairdressing. And um, why I chose hairdressing is because I saw um, I saw that it was a creative industry. I saw that it it was a, a people industry. I saw there was freedom in it. Um, I loved the way that you could wear what you wanted, that you weren't uniformed up. Because back then, a lot of my girlfriends went to typing schools. And I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in an office all day. Oh, I don't want to wear that a skirt and a jacket all day. And I was a bit more sort of punk, mod, um, new romantic. I was a bit of a mixture of everything. And that's when I went into hairdressing and then I met my husband and the love affair Mm -hmm. happened because we both had the same passion. And by 19, I had a really good editorial um, knowledge of how to do covers of magazines. But when we got our salon it sort of went to nothing because I had to be in the salon. I couldn't leave my salon to go and do a cover of a magazine because covers only paid you like back then $80 a day. But to me, I had to build up my business. Um, So after I built up my business and I had my two children Mm -hmm. um, and that got really, that became really hard. But when Aiden was about, when Aiden was born and my first one was four, I was really stale and I just like oh you know I don't know about you but when you when you just think there's something out there why am I not touching it I've got my family I've got my business but why am I not happy well I've had my covers I've had my editorial something was missing hairdressing was boring to me in the 90s because I I was having children when it was exciting like 
I was too busy having children while the supermodel era was coming up. The grunge was coming up. I didn't see it. So I thought something's got to happen. And then I just saw, I was watching um, a show on, I think, CNN or Sky News, Elsa Clench style. And it was Valentino and all the supermodels, Ninja Evangelista. Um, it was like the first big show for Valentino. Uh, Cindy Crawford, Naomi the supermodel era. And I had worked with Elle McPherson when I was 16. So she wasn't a supermodel then. She was just starting out. All of a sudden, I saw her on the catwalk and I went, I know her. Why am I not? I just wanted to not be on the catwalk. But I just thought, who's doing that hair? And then I did my research and thought, I want to do shows in Paris. And then all of a sudden, my girlfriend, who's Colette Dinigan, started showing in Paris. And then I just, I don't know what came over me. I just sort of got this huge bit of envy. I went, I just want to be in Paris with her. And then I said to my husband, she was on TV. Murray Claire was doing um, an interview on her for 60 Minutes. And I was breastfeeding my baby. Uh, He was six months old and I was watching it on TV. And I went, Jim, I just want that. He goes, what? I went, I want to go to Paris. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I Mm -hmm. just want to do something. I'm, I'm bored. He goes, You've got Aiden. Like, you've got the kids. What's wrong with you? I said, I know, but there's something missing. And then I said, um, he just said, just ask her if you can go with her. The worst, the, the, all she can say is no. I went, yeah, what am I scared of? The word no. So I asked her, and it was Sam McKnight that was doing the hair. I don't know. Do you know Sam McKnight? Yeah. Sam McKnight's got the product now, and he still does Chanel and Fendi and all those great shows. And this is like 25 years later. And he's still doing shows, which is pretty incredible. So I met Sam McKnight on the show with uh, Colette Dingan, and Colette Dingan had some really cool supermodels on the show. Anyway, I helped him, and I just passed up. I did not do hair. He did not allow me to do hair, which was fine. Um, I do remember when I did go, I had to borrow money from the bank because I couldn't afford to go to um, Paris. So I remember Jim going to the bank and borrowing some money so I can go and have a a good trip and learn things. Then he invited me back. And I was like happy, sad. I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing, but I can't afford it. So for the first couple of years, I had to keep borrowing money to go. And it just got easier because all of a sudden Vogue picked me up. Harper's Bazaar picked me up. Marie Claire picked me up. All the indie mags rushed. Um, picked me up in Australian style and all of a sudden everyone was doing stories on me so that was pretty incredible and all of a sudden all these great hairdressers were coming into my salon and wanting to work so for a salon that could only fit 15 people we ended up having 30 mm-hmm. and that that was booming and banging and I don't it was like it was jumping and then my husband went and found a property to put the salon in and um that was where Valons was born. And we still kept all the other salons and we renamed them and we still have them now. But that's how my career boomed from all the editorials. So I had Nicole Kidman, Kate Blanchett, because how I got these actors was from the work they saw in the magazine. So actors would always see the work that a hairdresser would do in a magazine, not a hairdresser that would cut in a salon. So I was very lucky that I had that. Instagram wasn't around. The only thing we had was covers of magazines. And that's where 
there people would say, oh, I like that hairdresser. I like that hair on that cover. Can we find her? And then I have an agency. Back then it was DLM. They called DLM. And then I that's how I got a lot of my um, um, actors and um, celebrities in the salon. And it was great. And that's how a lot of designers got to know me from doing the celebrities. And I would do Sass and Bide, Colette Dinnigan, and all the up-and-cut romance was born, all these great designers. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to put nearly 37 years Yeah, in it's a big career, minutes. for sure. No, I mean, I think there's a lot yeah. of, like, good advice in that because I'm sure for a lot of hairdressers, that kind of resonates. Like, you do the salon stuff and you know it's important and it's good work, but, like, the stuff you're describing, yeah. the celebrity stuff, the session stuff, runway stuff is so fun and exciting. And I think there's a lot yeah. of good advice in what you're saying of what you did that's, like, you you know, you, you just asked, you just put yourself out there, you invested yeah. in yourself to go on trips where you would learn more than necessarily, like, earn money, which is, you know, a, a nice thing to think about. Do you, especially in 2021, like, do you have top tips and advice for your staff, for other hairdressers about kind of expanding into that world from a salon basis okay so this is again you know how i just said before that i'm going i'm learning about the new COVID. like i'm turning my brain around mm-hmm. okay so i now i can't say my that's one thing i i've learned from editorial and what i mean by that is when i would go on a vogue shoot i didn't i was not allowed to care about what was going on in harper's or marie claire or in my salon i was focused on vogue there was the vogue girl then I would finish that. The next day, I would have a Harper's Bazaar shoot. And when I went on to Harper's, I couldn't talk about it. I could My style of hairdressing was different for Harper's because there was the Harper's girl. So everyone, I just knew how to click into positions. And it's like your clients. You don't do the same thing on every single client. You click to every single client. You go, okay, that's her. I'm going to do that on her. So that's the way my brain works. So it was very – I had to change my brain from editorial because editorial is not a huge thing anymore. Instagram was. So I clicked onto Instagram as soon as I could. But combining the two were hard. The minute you put a cover on Instagram, a Vogue cover, it would get me like 50 likes. You put a beautiful model that I would do in the salon, like literally instantly, you'd get 500 likes. Mm. So I realized then, okay, and it was it was killing me in my heart knowing that this is happening. I thought, what do you mean? All of a sudden, Vogue, all these magazines I've worked for, all this hardness, and I've I've built my career on this. I have to rebuild it another way. So that's when Instagram came along. So I had to rebuild it, and then I realized I've got to hire someone to help me do this because I am my own narrator now. Whereas when you're in a magazine, you have an editor, you have a makeup artist, you have a photographer, you have a stylist, and you all come to a team. When you're doing your Instagram, it's just you. It's your it's your thoughts. So I have to come to groups with that. Don't get me wrong. I've just done a, a China Vogue cover of Natalie Portman, and I put that up, and everyone loved it. But it was killing me in my heart going, how is this changing? But now I think, well, you know what? I love my covers. I love my Instagram. I love it all. But it's the way I put it together now on Instagram. So it's really important that you don't lose yourself. You're constantly diverse. You constantly don't have the one look, but be consistent with that diversity. And when I mean diversity, 
short hair, long hair, curly hair, blonde hair, um, colored hair, everything, textured hair. You need to be constantly diverse because we are creators. And what I say to a lot of my team, what we are creating is handmade. It's beautiful. No one can create what you're creating and make no one create what you're creating. You make sure that you're different, constantly creating this because you're an artist, especially colorist, what they do is handmade. And I really believe so that we create something so beautiful. They walk out the door, then they come back when we have another opportunity. So I love art. So I know how hard it is to recreate something. But when she's your client, you have to have a few things in the back of your head constantly to always change. And that's where the editorial life really becomes um, a big thing in my hairdressing life because I know how to change the vibe of the haircut, of the hairstyle, of the person. Uh, and that's in, in keeping in touch. Keeping in touch is important because you can't just keep cutting the same hair for the rest of your life. You have to really look around, research. Don't just look on Instagram. Look at books. Look, go to the library, go and buy beautiful Vogue books, um, photographers' books, makeup artists, Pat McGrath, Val Garland, and Stephen Klein, Guy Bourdain, um, Gucci, Tom Ford. Buy books and look at what people looked like in the 90s. Look at what people looked like in the 80s and try and bring it back and make it, make it yours. And that's much my thing I'm really, really doing and having fun with. And with the time I've got at home, I'm putting um, some manuals together of what I love and education. And, and I think one of the questions that you wanted to ask you was, what am I doing through this time? Well, I'm doing free education on via Zoom. And I just woke up one day, I called my um, Trey, my emerger, and because he's just gorgeous, um, Trey and Zara. And I said, guys, this is what I want to do. You're millet, you're young. What do you think? And they go, oh my God, let's do it this way, this way. So I'm, I put it all in their hands. I was being totally guided by them. And we are on every Saturday. I give free education on things, but I don't do it on dolly heads. I shave the dolly heads head and I put wigs on and I work on the wigs, which is a lot easier and a lot cooler. So it's sort of um, it's sort of like a wig room, but then I create styles that they like that I have done, and then we do a vote. And every week it's growing now. It's like twenty more every week. So I'm trying to get it to a hundred people. So if we're in lockdown, I just want to give free education because I want to give back to the industry that that's given me so much. So mm. that's what I'm doing through COVID. So it will take me about two or three days to to work on the dolly heads to to think of what I want to do. So I'm keeping myself busy with that, my education and my team inspiration. So that's how I'm keeping myself sane, if that means anything. No, it's something that impresses me so much about the hairdressing industry, how much the industry really occupies itself with constantly learning, finding that inspiration, even in a tough time like this, just reaching out and and finding it and for you for for providing it. And something I wanted to touch on in that, you know, you're a a Dyson ambassador, which I think has been like a big part of your recent career. I've definitely seen you in a few roadshows as well. And they're still innovating. They've released the flyaway attachment just a couple of weeks ago. We had like a Zoom media briefing on that. So like, how do you marry 
working with that innovation, educating on that innovation, and as well just like elevating yourself and your skills around these new technologies while kind of, you know, having some of the stagnation of lockdown and really just kind of getting that out to the industry and, and emboldening them through these new technologies? Well, the thing is, it's, 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 a tool. it's my tool. It's something that I go to pick up every single day, whether it's the supersonic or whether it's the corral or mostly what I use is the air wrap for me right now. Um, and there's something for me to do. So there are days I wake up and I just go, what? I just want to do my hair. I just want to do my makeup. And then while I do it, I'll do a video of me doing my hair for Dyson. So, and that keeps me busy. But why I've chosen, look, they chose, they came to me and I was like, I think I just fainted. Mm-hmm. And to to be with a luxe brand, I feel, well, I feel luxe, I feel special. And one thing I've gotten out of that is I need, I want to make everyone feel special. Every time I pick that up, because it is my tool, it's like an artist with their brushes. It's like an artist with their, their canvas. When I pick it up, I know my life is going to be beautiful. I know I'm going to create beauty with this tool. And it's so easy and the shine factor. And just to be a part of the Dyson family, they're so smart and they're so creative and they're so giving, but they're so like they're so strong in their ideas and I love it because it makes me a stronger person. But when I pick up the tools and when I'm working on with Dyson on Photoshop, they allow me to be who I am. But the tool allows me to be who I am. So I'd be crazy not to use the Dyson products because they, do, they, they make my life a lot easier, but they make my work look a lot more beautiful. And working on, um, it's funny because working on at home doing the Zoom in my studio, like the Dyson is just, I think it's just got, um, it's got full center stage. It's like it takes over because I'm blow drying and I'm using it and it's, and it's quiet so I can still talk to everyone. Yeah, that's important. So it's, it's, it's so important, mm. but it makes my work a lot better. And it's not just a tool, it's the tool. And it's, it's the tool because it does the most beautiful hair. And I, for me, just doing the big bouncy blow dry to the dead straight hair. But now with this new attachment, I'm like, what? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's genius. Because to me, having dead straight hair right now is the coolest thing. But to have the flyaway, um, the flyaway attachment, it just makes your hair look shinier, healthier, and it just brings it down. So it brings it down flat. But the minute you sort of get up and move your hair, you just feel like there is, your hair feels like air. So, and that is really important. That is my that is my craft. And if I don't take my craft seriously and have serious tools around me, whether it's my scissors, my scissors cost me up to two, three thousand dollars. So why wouldn't I use the best dryer? So I may, I use the best products, I use the best tools, and I use the best scissors because I have the best clients, and I really believe that. So and they are going to get the best quality. So to me, that's really important. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. And and you talk about as well that Dyson approached you and kind of the honor of a brand like Dyson wanting you to be kind of part of the family and an ambassador. And I know it's hard to oh, boil God. down, you know, your whole career into this interview, but there must be so many highlights. Like do any 
stick out to you as somehow above the rest, like a somehow like a top um, three or so of like, oh my, like for, for the listeners, I'm sure, just unbelievable experiences? Um, well, number one, I'll name you a few actually. Sam McKnight, everyone out there, guys, Google the man. He's amazing. Working with Sam McKnight. Then working with Eugene Solomon, mm. who's, oh my God, amazing. Then getting my, working with Bono, working with Nicole Kidman, working with Hugh Jackman, working with um, all these amazing people. But like going on a private plane around the world with Tony Collette and Cameron Diaz. Wow. Going to the best restaurants in Brazil, in Spain, in Paris, in London, in Japan. Nicole Kidman saying to me five hours later, hey, my hairdresser from New York can't come to Tokyo. You've only got five minutes to say yes or no. You can't, you have to say yes or no now. I didn't even ask my husband. Mm-hmm. I said yes. And we just got onto a private jet and we went to Tokyo because I knew my husband would never say no to me and I knew my kids were all going to be okay. So I just said yes. So the fact that you just don't think about it, you just say yes. So much of my life has happened because all I have said is yes, 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 and yes. Going to Paris, working with um, Eugene on uh, Dior uh, Galliano, um, working on the Zimmerman shows, oh, so many, working with you too, the band, um, oh, being able to have children and doing Vogue and Harper's. This, so, uh, I'll, I'll keep thinking of them, but it's just, look, having the best team, like, I don't have a big team, but I can honestly tell you they're the best team <laughs> because they know they know their skill inside out. They go from old school to new school. They know how to flip it. They know how to be cool. They know how to make everyone happy. We're not robotical. We're just good at what we do. And I look at them and I just go, oh, my God, I just love them because they're so talented. But just being a... What I've, I don't know, what more? I've done so much more. I mean, it It'll sounds impressive. Me. Like, I'm, so you're not like letting anyone down. Oh, I come forward. Oh my God. Getting, so it, it was really funny because I was in, um, L, oh, I was in, um, LA doing a, a Rush magazine cover. And so L and Rush flew me to LA to do covers of their magazine. Um, do you know Phoebe Tonkin? Yes, I've heard the name. Yeah. Yeah, she's oh, she's um, an Aussie great. She's the Chanel girl. Mm. So we did her, um, and then I saw that Sam McKnight was in LA during the Tom Ford show. So I rang him, and then I just said, "Hey, do you mind if I come and help?" He goes, "Of course, come." When Tom Ford walked into the room, I think we just all everyone's knees were shattering. We just melted. So we're just seeing Tom Ford up in real life, and then the show had. Beyonce coming backstage. Um, the models were Gigi, Bella, all the girls, all the top girls were in the show. And it was just such a good vibe to be in LA. It was the first show I ever did in LA. I've done New York, Paris, London, Milan, but I've never done LA. And to do LA with Tom Ford and Sam McKnight, that was pretty magical. And then Sam had to go back to London and they were doing photo shoots. And he goes, do you want to do them? I went, uh, yes. So I just stayed back and I got to meet Tom Ford's husband and we're just hanging out and having the best time. So, yeah, my life's pretty cool. (laughs) I've had a fun time. But to explain that to kids, they wouldn't even know who Tom Ford is. Oh, no, surely not. (laughs) No, but like you and I do, but 
uh, 18-year-old won't. So I find that I'm always having to reintroduce my career, and I like that because I know I've got a lot of young working for me. So that makes it really special for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds great, and I'm sure that it's something that's very inspiring to hairdressers to see the doors that hairdressing and being creative and being talented can open up. So hopefully they yeah. take from that, and it pushes everyone to say yes, as you're saying. You know, say yes more, yeah. just throw yourself into these things. And I guess the last question yeah. I would have is if there is – just general advice across the board because your career has been so storied just about like facing obstacles through it kind of you know rising yourself as you have to each of these points with COVID and kind of beyond even across the board do you just have like general advice for the hairdressing industry about achieving in that way and getting through the difficult stuff as well just be Switzerland right now be be don't don't have too much of an opinion don't think too hard if it feels good just do it um, if it feels too hard, don't do it. If you think too much, it's just not going to be nice for you. It's enjoy the moment um, and look at look for creativity in different areas. Don't. And I said it to someone the other day because when I do my Zoom classes, we have twenty minutes together and we all talk. And I just said, DM at least forty a week. DM who you want to work with. Mm. And out of that that. 50, you will get five. And once you get the five, hound and hound and hound and hound. Just remember, you're working with people's egos. So suck up a bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So do you know what I mean? Tell them, I want to do this. Hound them. But when you do that, make sure your Instagram looks awesome. Sorry Mm -hmm. for swearing. (laughs) But make it look amazing. Don't send it to someone and you've got nothing on there. They can't see any hair. All they can do is see a whole bunch of selfies. Head of hair. If you're going to send someone a DM, make sure you've got hair on there. Now, if you're an assistant or an apprentice, let them know that. Let them know where you work and let them know, show them where you work so they know that you've got, you're working for skilled people. So DM as many people as you can, follow as many great hairdressers as you can and really get in there. And firstly, be spirited, like have a good spirit about things. Don't be so judgmental. And that's the one thing, the quality that I had to get rid of very, very fast. So I always sit on the fence, but I have my own very strong opinion and I stick by it. If Mm -hmm. I don't like something, I say it there and then. I'm extremely honest, but I'm kind with my honesty. I'm not... Uh, some people call me a bitch, but anyway. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but I don't look. I look. I've, I look. I've been around for so long now. I've been pretty tough, but it's gotten me to where I've gotten, and I value everyone that I've educated, and and I'm proud of everyone. Mm. So I think I've I've made some pretty good hairdressers that are out in the industry at the moment, but I've still got the best. Mm-hmm. That's all I can. <laughs> I can. All I can say is I've got the best ones, and I'm really proud of them. And I know I'm good at what I do. And um, what what the biggest thing that was beautiful, so I'll just tell you this little story too. So as um, in when you're doing magazines like Vogue and Harper's and all these magazines, it got to the point where they didn't like you doing, like Vogue wouldn't want you to do a Harper's and Harper's didn't like you doing Vogue. You had to do one or the other. And when I had to make the choice, I didn't like that. I thought that was quite sad. 
So I didn't really do a lot of um, magazines. Only until celebrities came out, I would do a, like a cover of Kate Blanchard. I would do Tony Collette. I would do all my original suspects. But um, then my agent said, listen, you've got so much knowledge. Do your own. I said, what, a magazine? They said, no, do it online. So I started my um, valons.com photo shoot. So I got the best photographers. I got the best makeup artists, the best of everyone because I knew them from the industry. And we would do our own shoots. And from doing a whole year of photo shoots, and I'm talking a shoot, one to two shoots a week, which was nearly 50, 60 shoots in the year. That's when Weller and Dyson saw all of my hard work because I would post it on Instagram and that's how I got the jobs from Mm. them because they saw that the creativity was just constant, 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 constant but different. And that's Mm. how I got my Mezzatani. That's how I got my um, Dyson contract and that's how I got to be a global, not just Weller for Australia, but global Weller in Geneva. So it was all about them seeing my work. So just remember your work is more important than you. But if you are amazing, that's a major, that's a major bonus. Yeah. I mean, there's so much good advice in here and hopefully some hairdressers out there are taking it to just throw yourself into everything and be really good at what you do, you know, market yourself really well across this new world with your creativity and your work. Like I think that that really shines through and your career really speaks for itself that it can really yeah. work and that can, it can open some amazing doors. So thank you so much for being our first guest and hopefully thank the industry you. were inspired. You know, I'm sure they were by your story and how you get through, you know, the good and the bad. And hopefully, yeah. you know, we spark some more creativity here. People are just going to be DMing everyone right now. Go out, send those 40 DMs oh, right now, everyone. DM. Yeah. DM. And, I, and I just, can I just say one more thing? When you're starting up, please work with teams. Don't go on your own. The reason why I'm saying that, when you're young, you need to be fed by people that are skilled. When you're young and you go on your own in a salon or in a room or a salon with one or two people, that's just a brain-dead thing for me. You have to make sure you're surrounded by creative because that's what our industry is. If you're in it for the money, yeah, go and work in a salon all day, nine to five. But if you want to be stimulated and you want that brain because this is what I did. I, something was missing in my heart. Something was boring. And that's when I had to wake up and go, I'm missing a good team. I'm missing creativity. And once that all happened, my life went just boom. So for the young kids out there, make sure you're surrounded by great people, strong people, fun people, weak people, just people. Make sure you're with the best around. And that makes such a huge difference on whether you're a good hairdresser or an average hairdresser. So it it depends on where you want to go. For sure. Well, hopefully Uh, everyone listening wants everything you've achieved, you know, and that's really the goal, I think. And, yeah, so much good advice there around teams and and investing in people, which is something I think you've really done. And I think the industry is very thankful for that. So once again, thank you so much for being our little guinea pig, you you know, in in this podcast series. And I hope we're sending some inspiration to the industry in what can be a difficult time, sending it straight to your earbuds. But thank you so much, Renya. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. 
thank you so much for joining us in the interview with Renya. Remember, you can subscribe to the Style Icons newsletter for free to gain bi-weekly hair industry news and information on upcoming podcasts in the series. Follow at InStyleHairMag on Instagram and at InStyleStyleIcons on Facebook for more information. Until then, we'll see you next time. Bye! 